0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Reclaimed. My name is William Bibbiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. You can call me whatever you want. Cool. And
1: uh, just this call is... Me, just call me great. You're, you're great. I love you. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're
0: handsome. Your oh, beard pish. has many cookie crumbs in it. It does not. That is, it look again. delicious from, from co- afar. I haven't had cookies for... I can't remember the last time I ate a cookie. Which makes it extra disturbing that you have so many cookie crumbs in your beard. (laughs) This is a podcast where Whitney and I, we are professional film critics, but we haven't seen everything. And so every single week, we look at a different streaming service and we each pick out a couple of movies from the past that Whitney and I, or one or the other, have somehow missed. Yeah. And then we put them on a poll for our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. And we let our patrons decide what we're going to watch. We pick a streaming service, we pick a category of some kind, and our patrons get to decide from the shortlist. This week, we are looking at comedies on HBO Max. And HBO Max actually has a pretty decent selection of comedies. We have a lot to choose from. Which was This
1: was counter-programming for October. Yeah. Everybody's doing the horror movies. Yeah. We've seen a lot of horror movies. In fact, we did a shutter poll once. And we had trouble finding things we hadn't seen before.
0: Yeah, Whitney and I are both really, really big horror nuts, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense to focus on horror too much and critically reclaimed because, frankly, between the two of us, there aren't a lot of major motion pictures we've missed. There's a few here and there. There's a few. Yeah, we're we're not claiming we've seen everything, Mm -hmm. but there's... Most of the streaming services don't the, have a lot to challenge us the, right the
1: now. The odds are higher when it yeah. comes to horror that we've seen the classics. So we yeah. decided to counter-program with some HBO Max comedy
0: films. Yeah, and uh, the poll included films like 13 going on 30. Yeah, the Jennifer Garner comedy everyone likes. Somehow one or both of was, us missed that.
1: It, yeah, it was a slumber party classic yeah, uh, for, so. for many years, and yeah, yeah. one of us never
0: saw it. Uh, the Clint Eastwood has an orangutan best friend movie, Every Which Way But Loose, which was a gigantic blockbuster. How did that happen? That was on the mm-hmm. poll. But uh, the winner of this week's poll is a film from Peter Bogdanovich. It stars Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill, features the cinematic debut... Of one of the greatest on-screen comedians of all time, Madeleine Kahn Mm -hmm. And I don't know how the hell this fell through the cracks Because, spoiler alert, this is one of the funniest movies I've seen in a very long time Let's talk about What's Up Doc This is San Francisco The city chosen by one of the most brilliant and sensitive new generation of filmmakers Peter Bogdanovich for his maiden comedy effort, What's Up, Doc? Starring Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill.
1: Where are we? I can't see. Well, there's not much to see, actually. We're inside a Chinese dragon.
0: Any experienced observer of shooting techniques will quickly sense the utterly new and different atmosphere created on the Bogdanovich set. No more the crass showmanship and slapdash of the old Hollywood. There he's get. He's yeah. You think I played baseball was a kid? <laughs>
1: Uh, director Peter Bogdanovich loves movies. Yeah, oh, he's, that's he's, for sure. He's one of those movie-loving directors. Well, he who, started like, as a film critic. He's, yeah, he he started as a critic. He wrote about movies, and a lot of his movies are a either directly about movies, like The Last Picture Show, which is about a, largely about a movie theater. Yeah, it's, it's also a coming-of-age drama, but you know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of the the drama centers around a movie theater in a small town. Mm-hmm. But uh, he also likes uh, kind of genre studies. Yeah. And film history as well.
0: Yeah, he likes to uh, uh, tell stories in uh, genres that may not be currently popular. Uh, He's also told stories that take place in Hollywood past. He did a very interesting film called The Cat's Meow, uh, which is about Mm -hmm. one of the biggest possible tabloidy type scandals Mm -hmm. in the golden age of Hollywood history, in which William Randolph Hearst might have murdered a guy. (laughs) And got away just, with it. Just maybe. Yeah, everyone. Uh, everyone says he did, but uh, he, he was able to just brush that under the rug. The,
1: the cat's meow is is a very lackadaisical kind of movie. It's really yeah. loose and kind of laid back. Yeah. Um, Eddie Izzard plays uh, Chaplin. Cha- yeah, it plays Charlie Chaplin, c- completely out of character. Like this, yeah. it's this weird movie version of it's, Chaplin. It,
0: yeah, it's not really. Mm. It's an interesting choice. Um, it's it's pretty good, but in any case, uh, Bogdanovich's career is actually interesting because, whereas a lot of filmmakers tend to get sort of shoehorned into one niche or another, Bogdanovich, for better or worse, I don't like all of his movies, uh, he's really tried to play in a wide variety mm. of, of uh, storytelling styles. Uh, but one of his early successes was trying to bring back the screwball... Comedy, Which is a very particular Hollywood genre of cinematic comedy in which everything is light, everything is wacky, there's tons of uh, mistaken identities or, or misunderstandings, and everything is prone to either turn into a musical number or turn into some kind of wacky chase, or someone might get eaten by a leopard. Like, anything can happen. Uh, there was uh,
1: uh, a certain kind of, I, you might call it a bedroom farce, where there's a bunch of people in a, in a big house together and they're all like running back and forth between bedrooms. Uh, there's, yeah, there's a sort of broad comedy that was out of fashion, but there was a big push to bring it back in like the late 60s. Yeah. And the the film that I'm thinking of is The Pink Panther that really kind of pushed it back, uh, Blake Edwards. <laughs> was a, a big proponent of these. Um, I always hate to bring them up, but Woody Allen was also a big proponent of bringing yeah, this back. Woody and,
0: Allen was, was Woody Allen and Mel Brooks, there was a lot mm. of people trying to bring back these very broad, like, very silly comedies. This, pu- yeah. this
1: push to uh, allow the sort of Marx Brothers-esque and mm. bringing a baby type movie back. There's that kind of yeah. farce.
0: If you want to see some of the classics of the original screwball wave of mm. uh, Hollywood comedies, amongst the films I would suggest would be My Man Godfrey, uh, which is... Total classic. Uh, Bringing Up Baby Mm -hmm. is a delight. Uh, An underrated one, I feel, is, um, I think it's Monkey Business with Cary Grant and um, uh, Mm. Fred Astaire. Who's who is Fred Astaire's Ginger Rogers? Ginger Rogers, oh. thank you. <laughs> I, I stare Rogers. That's how I was trying to find the name. Oh, okay. I couldn't I couldn't remember Ginger Rogers' name for a second. And I was like, Well, she's in all the songs with, with yeah. Fred Astaire. Surely if I say Fred Astaire, I'll remember Ginger Rogers. And then Ginger Rogers just was busy at that yeah. moment and didn't want to show up in my memory. <laughs> like, she has like, better
1: things to do than be remembered by you.
0: Yeah, I know. And she's doing them backwards and in heels. So who am I to. <laughs> anyway, I screwed up. But, anyways, that's a very, very funny movie. Um, these are very, very silly films, but they're also. In a way, they're also. A lot of them are commentary on mm. how out of touch a lot of people are, often the rich. Mm. Uh the, the wealthy, the people who have no real problems, and how they are allowed to be kooky eccentrics who destroy everything.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely the Marx Brothers mold. Mm. Um another big influence on uh, Peter Bogdanovich, specifically for this film, to steer it toward what's up doc, mm-hmm. is Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Uh the old Looney Tunes cartoons. The old Looney Tunes cartoons. Uh it's I I've heard this uh parallel made by several critics that uh Disney made uh these very classical cartoons. Mm classical music, whereas the Bugs Bunny cartoons were jazz. They were a little bit messier, but a lot more improv. Uh, they were a lot more uh, uh, just sort of e- exciting and earthy rather than uh, sort of mannered and, and, and formal. I don't really agree with that. I, 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 you, you watch like a, something like The Old Mill versus Duckamuck. And I know those right. are like 20 years apart. but Those know, are those 20 are, years apart, like,
0: exactly. That's a good well. point. I feel like if mm-hmm. you can look at a lot of the early merry melody looney tunes and you look at some of the uh early era mickey mouse cartoons mm-hmm. they're playing in the same sandbox i think and so, then yeah, i think if, i think what happened if, was like looney the stuff tunes, from the 30s then yeah i feel like what happened was looney tunes became far much more about conflict mm. than the disney shorts did after a while
1: well like, they became about comedy which whereas the disney shorts were a little bit more freewheeling and visually interesting but they were rarely
0: rarely laugh out loud funny and i feel like a lot of that Mm. i feel like a lot of that comedy comes from conflict Mm. because there's people you can explode (laughs) yeah because there's a lot more you can do
1: there's less dynamite in bug's bunny cart in uh, mickey mouse cartoons than in bug's bunny cartoons.
0: significantly less Mm. yeah um and i think as a result of there being less conflict there's often a little less madcap energy Um, but I feel like that's, for me, that's where I think the bigger distinction is, but we can, we can agree to disagree And there are other people who know more about it than we do. Hmm. I haven't seen every single Disney cartoon. I haven't seen every single Looney Tunes cartoon, although I've tried. Um, I'm a huge fan. Hmm. And so is Peter Bogdanovich. So What's Up, Doc? Uh, stars Barbara Streisand as the Bugs Bunny character, basically. She Hmm. is an instrument of chaos. She is very bright, but she's also uh, kind of a grifter. When we first meet her in the movie, she's uh, perfectly willing to con and trick people in order to get what she wants. But she's effortlessly charming. She's, she, she's very, very uh, alluring. Hmm. She's desperately trying to seduce Ryan O'Neill. She, she, oh, and, and who can blame her? Because uh, this is <laughs> nineteen seventy-two, Ryan O'Neill. This is prime O'Neill.
1: Well, it's also prime Streisand. It so, is very so prime we Streisand. we got these two like.
0: Young, young, attractive
1: comedians, sort of at the
0: height of their powers. Yeah, uh, uh, Ryan O'Neal, who is already hot off of uh, the film um, Love Story, mm. which was a gigantic monster success. It, also it was, sucks, but it uh, was yeah. huge. I've actually never seen it. Oh yeah, uh, it's, but it's, it's I know all about it.
1: Like it, it tries to be really like earnest, but it's yeah. super corny. You ever see the sequel? I have. Isn't it good? Uh, Oliver's story is that because yeah. that's the name of his character, and yeah. Ally McGraw dies
0: in the first one.
1: Yeah. That's the premise of the movie. By Everyone the way. knows yeah, that, yeah. From, that. That's
0: like that's like the selling point of the film. they're young and they're, and they're, young and they're uh, in love, and but she's dying, and that's the drama. And I,
1: yeah, I, is it? I think it's Candace Bergen who he, he falls in love with in the in the sequel. That sounds right, but I don't know. I haven't uh, seen that. Yet. Let me look up a place. Uh, but she's like. Yeah. Like far more interesting than he is. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm so lovelorn and I'm boring. Oh, look, an actual interesting person. Can we have an affair? I don't know. I'm boring. Well, I'm not.
0: <laughs> the that, that, uh, that's kind of
1: kind of the premise.
0: The uh, if you've ever heard the if you don't know the film uh, Love Story, uh, mm. if you've ever heard the expression "love means never having to say you're sorry," a that's a stupid thing to say, and b. <laughs> B, <laughs> it's from Love Story. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in any case, Rhonda was a big was a big star. Barbara Streisand already had an Academy Award. Uh, she's also a gigantic star, mm-hmm. singer and actor alike. Um, and uh, and we've got an amazing supporting cast here too. Again, uh, Madeline Kahn makes her s- cinematic debut.
1: Several uh, several actors who would, just two years later would be in uh, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles mm-hmm. and Paper Moon. So, some of them too. Yeah, so we have uh, not just uh, Madeline Kahn. Mm-hmm. Making her film debut But we have Kenneth Mars
0: Yes Kenneth Mars You might also remember From The Producers And Young Frankenstein As you said Um, Let's see Who else have we got here Austin Pendleton The great Austin Pendleton Wonderful character actor Austin Pendleton uh, Is in this uh, Is in this Randy Quaid I've never (laughs) seen Randy Quaid This young
1: he, he, he only has like, like one line in this but he's, got, yeah, he's, he's, got in like,
0: he's got like two scenes And okay. he gets to hit somebody so it's Randy Quaid uh, <laughs> But I've never seen him this young He looks mm. like a teenager like it's weird To see him this young uh, M. Emmett Walsh has a small role in this movie uh, I, I actually
1: a... yelled that out loud Because he, he, <laughs> he shows up as a bailiff Late in the movie and yeah. he's in profile So you can't really tell who it is at first Yeah, And I just said hey M. Emmett Walsh Like I'm on a TV special
0: This is also one of those movies uh, In the early 70s where apparently Sylvester Stallone was an extra and there's a few of those. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't make him out. Maybe he's maybe he's not there, but uh, yeah, he's he's in there somewhere. Um, so anyway, great cast overall. And uh, the plot is kind of hard to follow, so I'm going to give you the well, gist of it as best. Well, I'm going to give you the general gist.
1: It's a broad farce. There it's yeah. and it starts off there's uh, we see the credits in a book, like it's we're looking through a storybook mm-hmm. and the uh, title pages. This is the story of I think of like a mixed up no, s- satchel
0: this, this this is the well, hold on it's like um, it's this like this is the, this story, is the story of a bag basically so the yeah. idea is there is a, a a suitcase it's a plaid suitcase basically right and uh there's three identical suitcases four no three no there's four uh yeah. uh so uh so there's four people have identical suitcases uh ryan o'neill has a suitcase that contains igneous rocks that involve That he's using in his research, he is studying the tonality of rocks for uh, music purposes. He
1: he wants to uh, reveal that uh, Stone Age people invented music by hitting rocks together and they could actually, like, create rudimentary musical tones.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't think that's a real thing. No,
0: there's a, there's a tendency in a lot of screwball comedies for like when people are supposed to like have a brilliant idea to mm. just come up with this really silly idea or yeah. something that is blown way out of proportion. My favorite version of that is in the Palm Beach story where uh, Joel McRae is an inventor and what he's trying to uh, raise money for is mm. to build his invention of he wants to cover all of New York City in a giant net, mm. a steel net and the idea is that planes could land on the net instead of like taking a oh, space right, for an right, airport, right, right, yeah, yeah. which is the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my well, life. And I think
1: even in the movie they ask, "How would they get down?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's a lot of stupid. Yeah. But in any case, um, there is a mysterious uh, political dissident who has stolen top secret government papers from, uh, from Russia. And uh, no, I think it's America, isn't it? He's trying to like, you know, oh right, they yeah, yeah, they're American. Papers, uh, initially, yeah. you think he might be like an American spy, but it turns out he's actually like. He's actually spying on Americans. Mm. Uh, and uh, so he's got top secret documents in one of these cases. There's a wealthy socialite older lady mm. uh, who has a same suitcase, but it's full of valuable jewels. And then there's Barbara Streisand's bag, which just has like her underwear in it. Oh, I, did, I didn't realize Barbara Streisand also had yeah. a bag. Yeah, Barbara Streisand. I, I thought she
1: was bagless, which was why she was a grifter.
0: No, no, no. She's got a bag. She's got a bag. But. Um, at the beginning of the movie, Barbara Streisand seems to be uh, she's hungry, and so she comes up with a scheme to go into a hotel, mm-hmm. uh, order room service for a room that doesn't have anyone in it, and then just say leave it outside the door and take the and take the food. Oh,
1: n- not a bad grift. No, no. Go. Honestly,
0: like especially at the time when they probably didn't like have it computerized and like no. know who was in each room. Like, thi-
1: and you can still do that to an extent. It's like mm. uh, you go to a hotel, just charge it to my room. Oh yeah, I'm mm. surprised it. It doesn't happen more often. Surely there's ways to.
0: I'm sure there is, but uh, that, that, they to prevent
1: that from happening. In right? any case,
0: it's it's a pretty clever grift uh, grift for uh, for any sort of normal situation. Uh, staying at that hotel is Ryan O'Neill and his fiancee Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn is extremely pushy, but not in an evil way. Just her her fiance is it, today. We would we would clearly say he's neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. He is definitely not responding to stimuli the way a typical person would. Mm. Um, and I don't mean typical in a positive way. I just mean he's neurodivergent. Um, in, in wacky comedies, these characters were just considered eccentrics. But nowadays, we would probably look at someone like Cary Grant's character and bringing up baby... Mm. Uh, and we would say to himself, "Oh, okay, cool." So it's kind of fun to see like people well, the, uh, who view the world differently and who respond to stimuli differently find each other. You know, the, it's really sweet and romantic. Well, and, and there's a, a lot of, uh, and this is sort
1: of the birth of what would come to be known as the manic pixie dream girl, where there's sort of like I think a, the birth
0: a, was Catherine Hepburn and bringing a Baby, uh, yeah, or, or yeah, Carol Lombard and my uh, my man Godfrey. I think predates I was, that. I was going to say yeah.
1: L- Lubitsch probably invented it because yeah. Lubitsch invented everything in comedy. <laughs> uh, But, uh, yeah, this idea that there's uh, sort of a straight-laced, button-down, socially awkward, maybe kind of quiet, nerdy type of male Mm -hmm. who runs into a much more free-spirited young woman Mm -hmm. who finds him very attractive. And And gets him in tons of trouble. Gets him in a lot of trouble, but in so doing, brings him out of his shell. And in The Better Ones, she also learns to uh, sort of meet him at his level a little bit. Yeah, rather than just sort of yanking him out of his comfort zone. Exactly. Um, but the the idea being that these these neurotic men need to be pushed out of their comfort zone to sort of enjoy a lot more of life, Earth's earthier pleasures.
0: Yeah. Um, she immediately zeroes in on Ryan O'Neill and decides, "I am gonna fuck that." And and you get it because it's Ryan O'Neal, and Ryan yeah. O'Neill, is—he looks like a superhero. He's super he handsome. In yeah. fact, even even when he's playing a nerd, he's oh, very attractive. And there's, very there's uh, there's a very appealing. scene
1: in this later on in this movie where he uh, he's struggling with his his clothes. He's trying to get dressed for bed. Oh yeah. And he...
0: Manages to take off everything except his bow tie. He has
1: his glasses and his bow tie, but gets his shirt off. And I'm wondering if this predates Chippendales.
0: Ah, I don't know. But definitely the first thought in your head when you watch that scene now is Chippendales. Yeah. Uh, Chippendales dancers wear that. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Ch- Chippendales was founded in the 70s. You look that up. I'll, I'll keep telling about the plot. Chippendales so, didn't
1: start until 79. Okay, so maybe, so maybe that was in the somewhere. This. So maybe this is like the the birth of that
0: look, like the hunk in the bow tie. I, maybe it's direct, maybe it's indirect. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was just the style of it. Oh, you know who you I learned say? was a
1: Chippendale da- Chippendales dancer recently? Huh. Uh, Robert Zadar.
0: Oh, I did hear that. Dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. B-,
1: B-, B-, B movie legend Robert Zadar was a Chippendales dancer.
0: Um, but uh, in any case, uh, so she's decided she's going to boink Ryan O'Neill. Mm. Uh, there is a scheme, but, but also bilk him. Oh yeah, she wants she wants him to, to buy her things, but she gives that up. She gives up on that really fast, actually, when mm. she realizes that they're, they're he's kind of a, there. he's it's it's kind of exploiting a naive child at that point. Yeah, they're, he's they're, uh, he's he's too easy a mark. She feels bad. Their meet cute is
1: in the uh, uh, gift shop of the hotel where all, most of the action takes place. Yeah, and uh, she's in the gift shop. He's there. He like takes a rock because he's interested in rocks. He sees her and she uh, goes up to the clerk and starts giving him stuff and saying, My husband will pay for all of this. Yeah. He's just looking for a bottle of aspirin for Eunice, played by Madeline Kahn, his actual fiance.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah, Eunice is also a, a, a rather offensive cliche from like 1950s sitcoms,
0: the kind of. The nagging. Uh, the
1: nagging wife, the Harridan. Uh, yeah.
0: Although I will say this, and one thing I like about What's Up, Doc, is though, although she is clearly nagging. Ryan O'Neal and clearly they're not meant to be together. Then if they get married they're not going to have a particularly happy life. She's also not a bad person. No. They're no, just no, mismatched. They, you, they're just not they don't belong together.
1: You understand that um you understand what their relationship is and who these kinds of people are and yeah. you don't
0: hate her. No. In fact, she's actually the victim of so much shit in this movie. Oh my god. You yeah. actually, you feel you feel so bad for her. You want her to end well. Unfortunately, things do work out for her. Uh, the reason she has a headache is um Barbara Streisand, everywhere she walks, people get in car accidents because she like just doesn't pay attention mm-hmm. to like walk signals or crosswalks or anything. And it, frankly, it leads to, at the beginning of the movie, a lot of situations in which it looks like Barbara Streisand nearly got killed.
1: But, like the actual actress on the set yeah. of this movie. Like, yeah.
0: Sometimes it's clearly a stunt double. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's clearly Barbara Streisand. Like, they just crashed a car three seconds after she walked by. <laughs> and it's just like, Jesus, what are you trying to kill Barbara for? They, they, did, they did it dangerous back in the day They sure did And in fact uh, Apparently this was one of If not the first Hollywood movie To credit the stunt crew In the credits Well good Because there's a lot of car yeah. stunts In this there's movie There's a ton later on. We'll yeah. talk about it later But there's a ton um, And it's, it's worth remembering That until I want to say It was because of Billy Barty In the Lord of the Rings Animated movie Where he wasn't going to be credited For the acting performance And he sued for it But oh, until right. the late 70s Early 80s They did not include Every single person Who worked on a movie yeah, credits. You'll,
1: you'll notice credits were a lot shorter
0: back in the yeah. day. Yeah, and then around the around 1980-ish, somewhere around there, yeah. uh, they started inc- including all of the credits. And um, yeah, I heard somewhere that's because of Billy Barty uh, mm-hmm. suing for uh, more credit in the Lord of the Rings animated movie. I don't know how true that is. Um, but um, so yeah, Barbara's getting a lot of people killed. Uh, Madeline Khan hits her head in one of these car accidents, and now she needs a she needs an aspirin. Uh, It all leads to uh, Barbara following uh, Ryan O'Neill around, talking about how he's her husband, and Madeline Kahn, of course, gets the wrong idea, and now they're on the outs. Uh, They are in town, Ryan O'Neill and Madeline Kahn, uh, to try to get a grant for their research, and it's between them and one other asshole, played by Kenneth Mars. Hmm. And uh, so there's a big sort of gala banquet. And and, and Kenneth Mars is playing
1: sort of like... The funny foreign guy, another yeah. another kind of offensive stereotype, but you know yeah. that was sort of Kenneth Mars stock in trade. Yeah, at
0: least he's playing. At least he's playing a white foreign guy. Yeah, he's, uh, he, not, I, at least there's he, that. I think
1: he's, his character's Dutch, if I recall. I, think I don't he's remember. Dutch.
0: I, I, I honestly, I think he's just one of those things where he's from everywhere. Um, but uh, so they're at a banquet, and Barbara Streisand decides to impersonate. Ryan O'Neill's fiancé at the banquet and tell everyone that she's his fiancé and try to get him that uh, that grant. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Madeline Kahn, whose name tag has been taken by Barbara Streisand, is trying to get in, and it all leads to a big, wild, well, explosive well, blue. It
1: leads to a big betrayal because... Um, because uh, Barbara Streisand is so charming and because she's posing as his wife and is with him, all of the people who would give him the grant money uh, are charmed by her.
0: Yeah, she's the one and who's so, getting the grant so money so here, not because, him. Yeah.
1: Because of her, she's going to get the grant money. So when Madeleine Kahn charges into that, di- that diner, Ryan O'Neill looks up at his own fiance and says, I don't know her in this like rare moment of... of yeah. uh, Actual, like, of betrayal. Of making his own
0: decisions. He's Well, and I feel like it's interesting because it actually is kind of in character because she has clearly said, Mm. in maybe not using these words, but I know in certain terms it was implied that she wants him to do whatever he needs to do to get that grant money. Mm. So betraying her is also doing what she told him to do. Mm. So it kind of fits. But in any case, their relationship is probably already wrecked. He goes back to his hotel room, and he just wants to die. He's over. He's done. And sure enough, Barbara Streisand is taking a bath in his hotel room, and now he can't get rid of her. And Madeline Kahn is jumping in, and he's trying to throw Barbara Streisand out the window, but she's like afraid of heights. Meanwhile, and now everyone... the spy
1: is already outside of the window, so there's yeah. like.
0: Somebody is already out on the ledge All of the suitcases have already managed to be Like mixed up by now So everyone's trying to break into every single hotel room Now things are on fire And it just Gets bigger and bigger and bigger And by god is it just Comedy perfection The timing, the escalation The way things that you knew were going to happen happen in a way you did not expect Mm. Just sheer brilliance It's Absolutely (laughs) stunning We skipped over The funniest bit In the movie for me Mm. There's a a bit where Okay so the Mater D Or or whatever The concierge at the hotel uh, Is in cahoots With the hotel detective Which is a thing they have They had detectives Whose whole job Was to be a private detective
1: For the hotel I only knew about hotel detectives Because of a song by They Might Be Giants Yeah That's an actual She was a hotel detective That's an
0: actual thing You could just be a detective Who works for the hotel You know Keeping things on the hush hush Investigating crimes Without getting Mm -hmm. the police involved That kind of thing Fascinating job Uh, The concierge is in cahoots With the hotel detective To steal the old lady's diamonds Mm. And the problem is Is that he's had He's like misplaced the, the satchel So the concierge has to like Go upstairs And, like, switch some things around in order to get the the diamonds, or so he thinks. And he tells the hotel detective to stall her. Hmm. And the guy's like, how am I supposed to do that? And the concierge says, use your charm. And then he's like, okay, charm. Charm. And he's, like, walking up to her just saying charm, psyching himself up. Charm. And then he violently trips her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just trips her right there in the lobby And then later on we cut to her getting off of the elevator And her getting off And him getting off after her Still trying to violently trip her <laughs> it's, it's good It it's, sets it's you up good, You think yeah. you know what the joke is going to be He's going to try to be charming And he's not And then he just trips <laughs> Here, Here's the great thing about what's, what's Up Doc And the way it kind of differs from a
1: lot of uh, modern com- Modern comedies are I think a little self-aware they know. Yeah. They know. And this is a self-aware comedy as well. This is a farce. That is yeah. a throwback. It's yeah. you know, something that wasn't common at the time. A lot time. of
0: spoofs to movies that people might not instantly recognize mm. anymore nowadays. Like the big car chase at the end is a big uh, uh, spoof of the movie Bullet,
1: yeah. which is uh, famous
0: but probably not instantly recognizable to people anymore for yeah. the most part. Yeah, it's uh, which uh, both of these
1: both of those movies take place in San Francisco, if I recall. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I feel like. You see a, a a sort of a well crafted comedy these days, actual scripted one when they rarely come along, yeah and uh yeah game like like a, something like game night and there yeah. there I think there is a little bit of a self awareness to it you know they understand that they're doing something a little bit farcical here they understand that, but Peter Bogdanovich makes it seem. Like he's improvising, like it's really yeah. breezy. Like he's kind of
0: discovering this chaos yeah. as it happens, it's, rather than constructing a
1: scene in his yeah. head. Like the you, Coen Brothers you...
0: tend when they do something like this. The Coen mm-hmm. Brothers tend to make it feel like God is interfering with people's lives, right. and they're 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 pressed up against the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the better early screwball comedies, and when the Coen Brothers do it, by the way, they do it great. They just they have their own vibe. Um, a lot of the early screwball comedies just feels like everyone is behaving in character. Hmm. As kooky as that is, and this is just what naturally would have happened. It doesn't feel contrived, even though it's obviously incredibly contrived. Hmm. And at his best, Bogdanovich is capable of capturing that. Yeah, he did it one other time too in the '90s. Oh, with, with noises with, off. With noises off. That's a very funny movie.
1: Noises off is great. Yeah. By the way, like it's. I, I think it's like sort of the the sequel to What's Up Doc? And a lot now that I've seen both of them,
0: it's a great double feature. Yeah, like the, the both of them are. In a similar vein. And he would eventually try to recapture. Uh, What's Up, Doc? was a monster success. Mm-hmm. It was the third highest grossing film of the year. It came out behind only The Godfather and I think The Poseidon Adventure. Wow. Which is. And those, I, were, those were both runaways. Those were as gigantic well, yeah. successful. Like, and by the way. The Godfather was the number one movie of the year. Remember when we had movies that were like just dramas that would be the number one movie of the year?
1: Uh, it happened a couple years ago with American Sniper. That's true. That's, that's pretty rare. But yeah, that's that, rare that, that was that was an oddity. Uh, it's mostly been you know, mm-hmm. superheroes and Star Wars
0: for the last decade. It's been a while. Or at least um, uh, pre-existing IP, like Jurassic Park or oh, whatever. Oh yeah, right? or uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, or, that kind of thing. Catching uh, uh, Hunger Games. I Hunger Games, the Hunger there Games, you go. Games, that I kind know. of thing. Uh, but uh, where was I going with this? I got distracted, but it was a monster success, everyone was happy, and uh, it was good. Oh, he also just... tried to recreate this success in the late 70s uh, with a film that was basically trying to be this, except more of a musical, called At Long Last Love. Oh, no. Which is... Oh, no. I... <laughs> legitimately a bad movie. Like, hmm. it's it's not entirely without charm, because, like, the actors... It's got a good cast. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got Burt Reynolds, Madeleine Kahn, Cand- not Candace Bergen, um... Who's the other Candace Bergen from Moonlighting? <laughs> um, the, the other Candace Bergen? Yeah, you know, from Moonlighting.
1: <laughs> oh, who was in... I, you know, what I never saw Moonlighting. That, you, you
0: never saw Moonlighting? The no. show Moonlighting?
1: No, no, no. no. Well, I, was, I, I think he was a little too young for Moonlighting. Sybil oh, Cib-
0: okay. oh, Shepard. Oh,
1: Sybil, okay. The other Candace Bergen is Sybil so, Shepard. To, yes. to my
0: mind, yes. They're the hey. same person. I wasn't um, sure you were talking about. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's got Sybil Shepard. It's got Eileen Brennan. Mm. Uh, it's a good cast. Uh, but it's... What's Up Doc is wound so tight, it actually is, even though it feels breezy, it actually is very carefully calibrated, and that Long Last Love feels very loosey-goosey to the point where it's just slow. It's just really it's, slow. It's slow moving, and the, the, it this, was one of those things oh. where
1: it's a musical, of Burt Reynolds can't sing. Uh, like, at all. Not that way. And, no. um yeah, and they let the actors sing. I'm not sure if they... I don't think they sang on set. No, they did. The, oh, that was, they did it they like did. they were yeah. recorded live. Okay.
0: Yeah, Bad some idea. some of them were better at that than mm-hmm. others. Uh, this, they did went for the old-fashioned movie musical motif where the songs don't have to have anything to do with anything, mm-hmm. which can be fine if they're entertaining enough and not getting in the way, except they're not entertaining enough and they get in the way. um I, I couldn't even tell you how this movie ended. I put a gun to my head. I just—I've seen this movie twice, and it's long so night. damn bad. Anyway, um, so it's—it's—he couldn't capture that lightning in a bottle every single time. But what's was, up, Doc? Kind of, Is—is—is is a wonder. Uh, we showed at Long Last
1: Love at the New Beverly. Oh wow! Can you guess what the double feature was? <gasps> like, what would you? Pay? What would you uh, g- pair? Give g- me a
0: hint. Was it classic uh, Hollywood no, it's, or it's was, new newer film? Newer film. Yeah. So they paired it with new, Xanadu new, no, newer than that. Newer than that. Yeah. Uh, very recent film. Very... Oh, God, was it La La Land? It was La La Land. Oh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> Which, that's, that's like a to, form of commentary I, right there. I like there. to think
1: that there was a little bit of actual commentary yeah. going on at the New
0: Beverly programming mm-hmm. level. Because one of the things... It's interesting because one of the things that, like, fans of, like, old school musicals... One of the things that a, lot, a lot of people... Not everyone, but a lot of people were critical about for La La Land... Mm-hmm. Was that Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are very charming performers... They're not singers, and they are definitely not dancers. No, like they, they learn the choreography, they, they and they learn
1: steps, but you can yeah. tell
0: that they're not like professional dancers. And when you compare the musical numbers in La La Land to the musical numbers in even a not very well regarded old musical, they do not hold up at all. <laughs> and I've heard some people say, like, "Yeah, but it's okay because they're not supposed to be that good. It's a movie; they're supposed to be that good." They're supposed to be as good as they can be. So so we're
1: we're coming here to watch a musical about people who can't
0: sing and dance very well. Yeah. Um, Also, the whole idea that, like, oh, they're not supposed to be that good because this is all in their own head. Uh, These are people who think very highly of themselves. If if it's it's all in their own head, head, they 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 would be be amazing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It does not track at all. La La Land is not... La La Land is another movie that I think just got built up too much. It's it's cute enough, but, like, everyone treated it like the second coming of something. And it's not. It's just it's just barely okay and, and... there's a couple of good bits the ending's good that kind of thing um anyway we're we're off track uh, what's up doc I... continues apace more suitcases go to different yeah, hands. There's an incredible wanna, sequence. I don't want to
1: describe what happens because, A, a lot happens. It's it's too confusing. The, like, I just, a lot happens very rapidly. I want
0: to get to a couple of key sequences so that we've talked about them because they're really great sequences. The first one is actually one where the story slows down. Mm-hmm. And Ryan O'Neill, he's actually been kicked out of the hotel and he's been told he has to leave. But he accidentally winds up on the roof. And it's, I guess they're like building like a rooftop restaurant or cafe. So, there's construction stuff there, and there's a piano. And he starts tinkling on the piano, and wouldn't you know a Barbara Streisand just happens to be there. Mm-hmm. And she serenades him, and she successfully seduces him. He hasn't even broken up with Madeleine Kahn yet. And they have sexy sex. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, off camera, but, you know, afterwards they're like naked and rolling around in a sheet. Um, and, um, I'm, you know, I'm just going to say it right now. I don't think people talk about it enough. Barbara Streisand was incredibly alluring. Oh, definitely. in this movie. In th- this movie in particular, she is very sensual. And it's a sort of thing where like oftentimes the sort of the wacky characters in these kind of screwball comedies, hmm. they're attractive but they're not necessarily seen as like Sexual? Because there's often a chance yeah. people don't want them to seem predatory? Well, there, there's this t-
1: uh, because a lot of these movies are made by men, and mm-hmm. the way uh, a funny female character is treated uh, is usually kept very separate from their sexuality. Yeah. There's two types of women the funny one and the sexy one, because that's the way yeah. close minded men in Hollywood think. Mm-hmm. So it was rare that you found a female character that was, was both. Just sort of naturally both. Yeah. And that's what Barbara Streisand is here. And I, I'm not trying to be lascivious and you know, comment on you know, an actor's looks, but uh, I think They want you I think to be attracted to her. They, they wa- yeah. She, that she is an attractive character is, is key to the, the movie. This
0: movie, I, and I actually appreciate this, this movie leers at Ryan O'Neal the same way, actually more so even than it leers at Barbara Streisand. Yeah. This movie yeah. wants equal you... equal opportunity leering. This movie wants everyone in the audience to be attracted to one or both of them. Yeah, so yeah. that you have a sort of, not just an emotional investment, but almost like a physical investment hmm. in these two hooking up. So, And I think that's a very effective way to handle it, because I think too many movies pick just one or the other and assume the audiences all have one interest. And no, What's Up Doc is a very equal opportunity in that regard. Everyone who is supposed to be sexy is treated in a sexy way, even though they're all goofy. Uh. And that's great. Um, It all culminates with everyone running after each other and... Uh, they're all. It, it ends with uh, Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand have taken all of the bags and they've put them in like a bicycle with a very large like cart in the front for like delivering groceries. And it ends with an incredibly long car chase. <laughs> like a shockingly long car. Like Fast and the Furious movies would say this is a long car chase. You've pushed it's, this one a lot.
1: It's This movie's 92 minutes, and it's the last, like, 20 minutes of the film. Yeah, is, it's the car chase. It's a lot, but
0: none of it's faked because it's the 70s and that wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. Um, all of it is very funny, which is hard to do when you're doing things like elaborate car stunts and breaking shit. Yeah, like, car, races, car chases are often sold
1: as being very funny. Mm-hmm.
0: But Very rarely they are very
1: they. Very rarely are. There's, I think it's um, Blues Brothers did it. Yeah. A couple of times
0: in the Blues Brothers, actually. That movie's a Marvel when it comes to its car yeah. chases. Uh, Mad, 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 Mad World, World, World yeah. uh, does it very, very well. Uh, the Italian Job, the ending of Italian Job, has a lot of funny bits in it. Mm. Um, There's And you have to do something kind of funny with it. Uh, yeah. I remember there was a... a
1: cute get, uh, car chase gag in 21 Jump Street.
0: Mm, oh, yeah.
1: Where uh, they, they're on, there's a big freeway chase and they're crashing into cars and they crash into a gasoline truck and nothing happens. And they crash into liquid nitrogen or something else really dangerous. Uh-huh. And then they crash into a chicken truck and the chicken truck explodes. Yeah. Like the chickens themselves explode.
0: That's a you know, a fun subversion
1: yeah. of, of action movie. They had, they had
0: another good one in uh, 21 Jump Street where um, they've already like broken so much stuff and Ice Cube Tells them that uh, They're out of money Like mm. We don't have We don't have unlimited funding For this undercover, Rob You can't do anything else now We're mm. out of money <laughs> So when there's a car chase It shows them like Driving into a building And then screaming About all the expensive stuff That they're breaking That's right And it's then just, just a, driving a, out. a static shot of the exterior <laughs> <And> Of the, <laughs> the building yeah. actually, That's genius Oh And I think Don't they even drive past it And is isn't even like The Benny Hill Memorial Building Or something Yeah it,
1: it, it was the Bennett Hill Memorial Yeah It's a little Cute little gag there Great little
0: gag Um mm. The gags in "What's Up, Doc?" are the, stunners.
1: The the, the pane of glass gag pays off beautifully, oh and I'm God. not going to describe the pane of glass. But you gag, you know but, the
0: yeah. I will say this you know the gag and you've seen it in all kinds of movies and cartoons and things where there's a car chase or someone's driving really really fast and you just see two poor construction workers walking across the street with a giant pane of glass. Mm. This pane of glass literally has like an X in it, so you know where the car is supposed to drive through. Well, that, that's and you something know where they
1: actually they do in. Being a glacier, I know. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. you,
0: so you see where it's there, and so you're waiting for it to happen. And the the trick is, if you're doing the gag, don't let it happen the usual way. Mm. Uh, my favorite version of this before I so said what's up, Doc was in Wayne's World. Wings World. Wayne's World
1: Two, where yeah. uh, they, uh, they, w- they Wayne drive... and Garth are walking through uh, like an area, like a, a, a an, <laughs> At the a, beginning the, of the movie, an alley where they're clearly going to have a car chase later yeah. because. He asks, what are you guys doing? Well, it's their job to carry that pane of glass back and forth all day. Well, what's your job? It's my job to make sure we always have plenty of
0: watermelons. Yeah, well,
1: I push this fruit cart back and forth all day, like things yeah. that people yeah. crash into. And they're and just like, chases. oh,
0: this is interesting. I wonder if this will be important later. And then later on, there's a big car chase, and he smashes through the glass, and they break all the watermelons. And all those construction guys who normally would be like, ah, yeah. nuts, they're just yeah. like, well, our, our job is done. A job well done, yeah. <laughs> Um, Waiting for the car chase to come through. The way that they milk the pain of glass gag in What's Up Doc. Study this in school. (laughs) Study this. They say that comedy cannot be explained. That is not true. I have taken college classes in comedy. (laughs) Comedy cannot be explained without making it less funny. Mm. Because you're treating it like some kind of math equation. But the idea of setting things up and then taking away the payoff. And then delivering the payoff in a different way, there is a kind of chemistry to that that you can teach. Mm. And that gag alone is you could spend an entire day on that in college and not get all of the details right. They just fucking nailed it. Mm. Astounding. Um, There's a lot of gags because it's San Francisco. There's a lot of gags about uh, driving cars down very, very steep roads. Mm. Uh, including one road that's got like eight hairpin turns on it. It's like the twistiest road in a, in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's one where they it's, drive it's down a tourist attraction. I to, forget to the name way. of it. They drive down this very famous like set of like long steps. And apparently, they permanently damaged those steps. Oh, no! And as a result, San Francisco now requires anyone who asks for a shooting permit in San Francisco to be extremely detailed about what you're going to film. Nah. <laughs> because they were not happy about that shit.
1: San Fran- Have you ever been to San Francisco? Yeah, Downtown San down, down down time Francisco. Time. I've been a bunch of times, yeah. It, it's incredibly hilly. Oh, yeah. It's, it's incredibly you, difficult to get you around. You will get
0: cardio if you live in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. God. You're...
1: you're your calves are going to be bigger than your head. And, uh, it
0: is not conducive to car chases. No, it's uniquely unconducive to car no, no. chases, which is why it's perfect for car chases. I, I suppose so, but... <laughs> it's where you want to do it because it's crazy. There's one of my favorite video games ever was called San Francisco Rush. And it's a, it's a it's a car chase through the streets of San Francisco and everything is a ramp. So you oh, can gosh. constantly fly your cars off a of shit. <laughs> um... But uh but anyway, it's it's incredible that they did all of this and that they did it. I think I had like 19 days to shoot it, mm. which when you see how much they got does not feel like a lot. Like it actually is really quite incredible. Um, stuntmen were hurt oh, yeah. in the making of this and you can like tell I said, they, this, they did it dangerous. There's yeah. a couple of people, there's a couple of falls that look like oh god, that that at least tweaked that guy's back. That's not if, good. If you're, One guy okay, got if, uh... knocked unconscious by hitting his head on like an awning during like the final mm. bit of the car chase where he's like Flying through like some tents and stuff, mm-hmm. and that sucks. If, you know, you're, if, if you're a okay. stunt
1: person, and you know you're you're putting your life in danger for yeah. entertainment, and it, it's it's a dangerous, difficult job, very much so. And something something wrong happens, and you do get injured, yeah. uh, which does happen. Yeah,
0: it it's, does. You, it's it's
1: it's safe. You can take precautions, mm-hmm. but you're still doing a dangerous. You're, you're thing.
0: minimizing the risk, mm-hmm. but on a long enough timeline, there's a greater potential for risk, or something bad to go to happen eventually. It would you want the take where you got injured to mm-hmm. be in the final
1: cut just to show off that yes I got injured and and I, at least my injury yeah lent to the film I or would you want that to be like would you want that to be hidden away and you want like the actually more professional shot to be left in the movie because the injury
0: is a little bit less responsible? Well, I think there's a couple of different takes on that. Mm. And of course I think any stunt person is allowed to have their own take on that. Um, they're the ones who did it. They're the ones who got hurt. Mm. I think they should definitely be in on that decision. Um, I think if you can tell the person got hurt, you don't put it in the movie because it hurts the movie, especially if it's a comedy. Mm. Like the whole point is it's a comedy. People don't seriously get hurt. You know, it's it's always pretty light and frivolous. Um, But if we saw just like at the end of this, like someone was like missing a leg or something. Oh God! Like it depends on how vividly the injury uh, Mm. is captured on camera as well. Um, I know, like people like who did like Mad Max stunts who got injured who wanted them in the film because they were just that awesome. But Mm. um, and of course, and it fortunately doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Some people have died making movies. Mm. Never use that footage don't you ever use that footage. Yeah, yeah. that's incredibly irresponsible. Um, that that's that's the kind of stuff
1: uh, an old friend of ours the late uh, john Schwartz, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. who who is the founder of faces of death yeah uh, look major, up the, major cult phenomenon faces yeah, of death look up yeah. faces of death yeah if you were you were an, uh, an incredibly unhappy goth in the 80s you knew about this stuff <laughs> um, uh, but yeah the he would like sort of compile like death and injury footage just in a in a cassette Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was staged, some a lot of, of it but was staged. some of it wasn't. That's and true. like some of it was like actual footage of animals being hurt. And you know if if you
0: were into that kind of shock, that that's what those mm-hmm. were for. Yeah, they were basically faces of death existed for like it's like dares. Yeah, yeah. You, I dare you to see faces of death. That's yeah. why that existed. It was, I dare you to confront death. Hmm. Um, and that was basically the philosophy behind it. You can argue it's irresponsible, but it sure was a thing. It, you know, there um, were five, five, six volumes of Faces of Death. Th- at least three or four. A I don't name. know how many. Um, hmm. But yeah, and, and wild we, stuff.
1: And we had John Schwartz on a podcast. He, he, he was a wife, nice man. He, he, he and he his was wife nice John were us. actually very like he's he's a bit gloomy, but he's a yeah. pleasant fellow. Well, and uh, uh, last he passed well, away was yeah. a, f- a pleasant fellow. Yeah, uh,
0: but no, they were they were very very nice to us. They yeah. were very very yeah. nice people. Uh, I, I haven't seen Joan in a long time, but she's always just been such a bright personality. And what a what a nice human being! But, yeah,
1: um, but that that's all yeah. a, a tangent on you know actual danger on film, yeah. which was really common, like more commoner in more commoner. Listen to me <laughs> uh, in like in the nineteen seventies. I think mm-hmm. a, a lot of uh, safety precautions have been added over the years to stunt work so that it's yeah. a, as safe as you can get while still doing something incredibly dangerous.
0: Yeah. Um, what's up, Doc? Uh, it ends happily because it's a comedy. Mm. Uh, it, it all
1: in, it ends in a big courtroom sequence yeah. where all of the characters are finally gathered. In one everyone place, has to and try to, explain, to the explain the plot, and it's impossible.
0: And, and then it ends yeah. with uh, there's that, a, that's where we see MM
1: Walsh and yeah. Uh, a really, the, the judge is played by the actor who played the priest in Blazing Saddles.
0: Yeah, there's a really really funny bit towards the end where um you've often seen the thing where like oh no if only I'd got that twenty thousand dollar grant money. Hmm oh, well, I guess my career is over. But uh, dang it. Oh, I saved the life of this one person and they're going to give me the $20,000. Uh, there's a joke where they do that mm. and Ryan Ryan Reynolds and no, the Reynolds, Ryan Ryan, Reynolds. Has, <laughs> Ryan O'Neal has like has lost the grant money and everything mm. and his whole life is ruined. And then like the old lady is like, "Oh, well, you, the reward for the jewels was $20,000, mm. which I used to pay all of the for all the things you broke in San Francisco. There's $50 <laughs> left." Enjoy Yeah <laughs> That's a great gag That's a brilliant gag That is such a meta gag
1: So, so they do get a reward It's just <laughs> 50 bucks That's
0: really great It's really great I'm not going to ruin Every single thing that yeah. happens At the end of the movie But that's a brilliant gag And it deserves a lot of credit right. That's a brilliant um, here Here's everything is And now it's taken away
1: This movie is just so brilliant. Yeah. Every, there's not a, a gag that lands wrong. It does no. uh, bandy about a few stereotypes, but yeah. they're not so offensive that you'll be taken out of the movie. Nothing's hateful,
0: um, and nothing is lingered on very long if, yeah. it's, if it's in poor taste. Um, like, like the harridan the character is
1: actually played with enough sensitivity yeah. that you actually sympathize with the Madeleine Kahn like, character at, a at lot. At first,
0: you think she's going to be the Madeleine Kahn character from Young Frankenstein, where she's just so cruel to Gene Wilder, you don't like her. Um And then, but she realizes that, no, she's just kind of overbearing and they're mismatched. Yeah. Like, he can't stand up for himself, and as a result, she's allowed to be overbearing, and it's just not a healthy relationship, and yeah, they should break up. Mm. That's fine. That's not her being a terrible person, that's just her not gelling well with her partner. And so the movie takes pity on her after a while, and actually, like, starts giving her what she needs, and it's really nice, actually. I Mm -hmm. like that a lot. Um, Yeah. A staggering number of jokes in this movie, and a staggering number of them land really, really well. I think like the worst joke in this movie is still kind of funny, <laughs> like, which is really impressive
1: well and it's one of those movies where um it can make
0: a dumb joke, but it's kind of aware that it's making a dumb joke, so yeah. you laugh anyway, yeah, there was um what was I just watching? um oh, I was uh, watching the the Muppets haunted Mansion, mm. and when Gonzo and Pepe the prawn walk up to the haunted mansion and they're greeted by. Uh the the host, uh played by Will Arnett, and th- there's a brief introduction, and then he says something of walk this way. Oh, and they, and they walk in the same physical fashion he does. Yes. They don't! Oh they don't? Okay. No! <laughs> you don't resist that joke! You have to do that joke every oh. single time. It's funny because we keep doing that joke. You don't miss an opportunity for humor, even if the humor is kind of lazy. That's actually one of the secrets to a lot of great spoof comedy whether it's Mel Brooks or Mm. Airplane or Top Secret is for every genius joke there's a lot of jokes that we're just, listen we're just not going to let the opportunity to do this joke pass us by Mm. we're going to do the joke it may be funny, it may not be funny, but we're not going to miss an opportunity. (laughs) What's Up Doc doesn't miss an opportunity for a joke
1: Yeah, Yeah, never.
0: Some of them are funnier than others but they're all funny and that is astounding this is One of the best comedies I've ever seen. Mm. Maybe not number one, but it's one of the best. And I am mad at everyone who didn't shake me by the lapels (laughs) I'm not wearing and say, see what's a duck. And I want to give credit, all the credit in the fucking world to Alonzo Duralde, Mm -hmm. who was the one person doing it one person he's who was been still ca-
1: carrying the torch for he's, what's up, he's doc. been
0: telling me to see what's up, Doc. He's mm. been telling me to see what's up, Doc. Alonzo Duralde incredible film critic for the rap, uh, co-host of the linoleum Knife podcast. please listen to it. It's a great podcast. Um, we've I, had him on the show several times. He's great. He has wonderful taste. and um he was right and I was wrong. I mean I wasn't right. wrong. I wasn't like resisting I it. I should have made the time and and see this movie if, Al- if
1: Alonzo's listening. Uh, I just want to let him know, I'm going to get to Two for the Road, okay? Uh, oh, God. That's, a, that's like his, <laughs> that's favorite, one of, that's well, one his favorite, one of his favorite movies. Yeah. He, he talks about it a lot. I've I haven't, seen Two for the I Road. Have, I haven't seen Two for the Road. Okay. That's a failing on me. Okay. That is a, a serious flaw in my character, and I apologize okay. to the movie and to Alonso
0: Duralde for not having seen it yet. Yeah, it's a really good film. I'm not resisting it. I simply haven't gotten to it yet. Sometimes it's hard to make the time for these things, but sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, here's the deal. We're all we we're all critics. Mm-hmm and we all want to encourage people if we see something that we see it as wonderful or that has yeah. great value we want to encourage people to see it they're under no obligation to yeah but we're not doing it because i don't know we make i don't make any money if you see what's up doc like it's not that that i get nothing from it mm. except the satisfaction that you've seen a good movie yeah um so we're we're trying to do favors here we're yeah. trying to just make your life a little better by guiding you to a great movie mm. uh so don't make the mistake that i made see what's up doc mm. if you haven't already and a lot of people have this was this one our poll on a landslide so we're clearly behind the curve on this one uh if you haven't seen what's up doc we've ruined some of the jokes not all of the jokes and definitely the way they play out is funnier than we described them uh see this movie it's on HBO max it's very very funny i'm mm. so glad we did it uh next time uncritically reclaimed We are heading over back to Disney Plus because it turns out one of us. Is it you or is it me? One of us hasn't seen a lot of the bigger Disney classics. Maybe not a lot, but more than you might think. Mm. So uh, we're going to focus on some of the bigger Disney animated movies Mm. that are available on Disney Plus. And the options in the poll are thus. And uh, actually a bit of a warning, uh, Whitney is going out of town for a few days there is a decent chance this episode might be, the next episode of Critic Reclaim might be a little delayed, depending okay, on how me. that works. For uh, that, I apologize. No, no it, and, and we might be able to get it done in time. But if it's delayed, that's going to be mm-hmm. what happens. But we'll put the poll up anyway. Uh, the poll, your options are Bambi, the feel-good film about a deer and his mom. And nothing bad happens at all. Lady and the Tramp, the feel-good film about a lady and a tramp. And It's, it's and, about dogs It's about dogs it's About dogs who fall in love And eat pasta I know they remade it too They did It wasn't particularly good It mm. was fine But it wasn't okay. particularly good um, Let's see And Then uh, The Lion King mm. The original Lion King The animated Lion King And I just want to say Something right now If you go to Disney Plus And you just Look up movies And you look up animated They will show you The 1990's Lion King but not the twenty ten live for a
1: Lion King, which is also animated. Which is
0: also animated. <laughs> what is what is the matter with you? It's animated, uh, CG vo- animated. I, I actually wanted
1: to see like how because that is like photorealistic animation. It is. It's, it's really advanced. It's looking. Very it's very impressive it's a, it's for an being impressive photorealistic. Tech exercise. It's, yeah. a, it's a crappy movie. I think. Um, yeah, it but, is. I agree. Um, but I I was looking around like how much of this like did they use uh, actual like film physical backgrounds and animate characters into it yeah. like in that movie dinosaur yeah uh no evidently there was a single shot right at the beginning very first that shot was of the a live movie. action shot and everything else is completely fabricated in computers and
0: it looks great and they yeah. did that for the lion king as well it looks great i mean there's more like actual like people interacting as a real human child in that movie the, but those are all the, all those jung- jungles jung- are cgi jungle book what i said you said lion
1: king again but
0: anyway. as in the jungle book the, the jungle book yeah. the john favreau's jungle book which is a better movie than his lion king um you know, there's more human characters and stuff, but all of the jungle stuff is CG. Mm. It's incredible. It's very realistic. I'm impressed. Doesn't mean he told the story well. Uh, but in any case, the original 1990s 2D animated Lion King is on our list. Also on our list, Hercules. Who put the glad in Gladiator? This film. <laughs> Uh, uh, so we will, we I, I will watch that, and uh, review whichever one our patrons vote for over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. By the time uh, this episode goes live, the poll should be available, and it'll usually, it's usually up for about two or three days. Mm. Yeah. You were saying? So.
1: So just, uh, Her- Hercules has uh, a very, very passionate uh, cult of defenders. It does. And they were all born in the year 1981.
0: <laughs> uh, so It's, it's like, a film that, like, it was one of the last films of the so-called Disney Renaissance... And it was, pe- the, the movies were starting to dwindle a little bit in, in quality. Mm. Like, they're still pretty good. Well, the, but, like, the, it's... The film that
1: came immediately, pr- the animated feature that Disney made immediately prior to Hercules was mm. The Hunchback of a Dame, Which uh, was not the hit they wanted it to be.
0: No. Because they
1: were, ma- Beauty and the Beast was a big hit on Broadway, so they were making a Broadway-ready film. So that mm. feels very stagey.
0: Although they ended up putting on a very successful stage production of Hunchback. That was actually, like, more popular mm. than the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh but uh, yeah, the Hunchback oh, the other thing with Hunchback though is they really much like Pocahontas, they really had to change the source material in order they, to make it Disney.
1: They, yeah, they they have they have to make it like the, the, yeah. the studio aesthetic. They can't do something, yeah. you know, good or accurate. When, so, when um, the
0: Hunchback of Notre Dame is actually being a decent adaptation of the novel, hmm. that movie is great. Yeah, but when and, it's and not, the, it's a Fucking lie, it and, I, and, and I, do, I do love the music. Uh, yeah, it's really good. But
1: yeah, who, who wants like Quasimodo plushies? That's not pushing the merch. You no, say. it's a
0: weird choice. Yeah.
1: Uh, so uh, that that one kind of was the first crack, and after that, it was a little bit of a downward slide.
0: Yeah, and there were there were movies that were mostly very good or had very very good qualities, but they, just, they very few of them ever popped mm. the way that the Little Mermaid or Lion King did. Or a, a, but,
1: Aladdin, the yeah. Lion King. Yeah, those were the.
0: But Hercules is the, the one ones. that probably like. Hung on the longest, and now it's considered by a lot of people to be one of the greats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never—I'll I'll, I'll, usually we don't say which one's which, but I've actually never seen all of Hercules. Okay. I've seen like half of it, but I never—I never finished it. So that's okay. this is one that I would finally sit down and watch all of Hercules if it wins the poll. Um, but in any case, that poll is up at Patreon.com/slash Critically Acclaimed Network, where we have a lot of other exclusive shows. If you haven't already signed up, we'd love to have you over there. We have shows dedicated to every single episode of Star Trek, every single episode of the 1960s Batman, every single film ever nominated for Best Picture, commentary tracks, and so forth. And so much more. Uh, so, And thank you to every single one of our patrons, without whom, A, we would never have seen What's Up Talk. Yeah. well not this week anyway uh and uh be without whom none of our shows would exist mm-hmm. so thank you so much to everyone uh if you want to write in you want to talk to us about what's up doc or anything else we discuss in the show or anything else you want to talk about our email address is letters at critically dot net we might read your email in an upcoming episode of our show we've got mail if you prefer to send us physical mail some people do and it's really nice to get uh whitney what is our p.o box Uh, Right into the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Uh, We are also on Twitter at CriticAcclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I am at Whitney Seibold. Uh, If you're interested in stocking up on stocking stuffers or maybe some fun stuff (laughs) for the Halloween season, uh, head on over to Salt Cat Soap. Uh, It's an Etsy store run by me and my partner, M. Lapis De Silva. Uh, We make and sell Design like a like a handcrafted des- awesomely designed soaps mm-hmm. they smell really really great uh some of them are very high concept we have a glow-in-the-dark ghost soap and we're in the process of making a whole bunch more of those because we cannot keep those in stock so if you missed your chance more are coming mm-hmm. and you can be on top of that release uh by following us on twitter and or instagram and or facebook at salt cat soap but we also have uh pumpkins we have Christmas ornament decorations we have Christmas ornament soaps we have a lot of stuff for the holidays uh, that are for this holiday and upcoming holidays as well and we'll be releasing even more stuff uh, throughout the season so uh, thank you everybody who's already bought some soap we really appreciate it thank you so much for uh, the very very awesome reviews Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, yeah I guess that's it for Critically Reclaimed we don't have a way to end this podcast so instead we'll